Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. The Lord Jesus, in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, speaking to the religionists of his day, told them, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is these that testify concerning me. Yet you are not willing to come to me, that you may have life. Well, the clear message in this strong word to them and to us is that the whole Bible, both Old and New Testaments, reveal Christ and should bring us to the very Christ it reveals every time we touch it. How crucial it is for us to keep such a view in mind whenever we come to the Word of God, especially an Old Testament book such as Jeremiah. And we are in the life study of Jeremiah. Bob Danker has joined us for his first visit during this new life study. Good to have you, Bob. It's good to be with you, Chris. I think it's very important that we have the perspective that is contained in that verse you read, Chris, that any time we come to the Bible, even the Old Testament, we should come to Christ so that we may have life. If we come to the Bible without coming to Christ, we will not receive life. And God's desire is really to impart himself into us Mm -hmm. through his word, to be our life and our everything. It struck me, Bob, again, coming back to this verse, uh, of course, he's speaking here to the uh, the Jewish, probably Pharisees, maybe Sadducees as well. And the only scripture they had at that time was the Old Testament. And he clearly tells them, and it is these that testify concerning me. So this tells us very clearly, the Old Testament really also is a book revealing Christ, isn't it? Oh, it's so rich in the revelation of Christ. Christ is revealed from Genesis to Malachi. The entire Old Testament is a revelation of Christ, and this Christ is life to us. Well, today uh, it's important, I think, we keep this in view because we're going to spend uh, much of our time in the New Testament and seeing uh, many of these parallels or some of the seeds that were sown in Jeremiah that grow up and are developed in the New Testament and consummate in the final book of the whole divine revelation, the Revelation, John's Revelation. I want to read a couple of verses from Revelation 21 because Witness Lee will refer to these in this first portion today. Chapter 21 of Revelation, verse 3 says... And I heard a loud voice out of the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will tabernacle with them, and they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And then if we jump to verse 9 and 10, And one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in spirit onto a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Bob, we're going to see that what is planted in Jeremiah grows up 
is developed and ultimately consummates right here, the bride of Christ becoming this eternal dwelling place of God called the New Jerusalem. What a picture we have before us in this Old Testament book. How marvelous. <laughs> really so. Well, let's join Witness Lee with our first portion. We have seen that the subject of this book is Christ being made the righteousness of Jehovah to God's elect. We all know that in the New Testament, God shows us his eternal economy. And what is his eternal economy? That is to make Christ everything. The first thing and uh, the centrality and universality of God's economy. To make Christ everything for what? For the producing of God's increase, of God's enlargement. And this is the church. And the increase and enlargement of God is just the fullness of God for God's expression. And this consummates in the New Jerusalem. Look at the New Jerusalem. Christ there, the center. Christ there, also the circumference. The entire New Jerusalem will be God's eternal increase. Look at God in the past eternity. God was a bachelor. Sorry, God forgives me to say this. You understand? God was alone. Only he himself, nothing else. But look to the eternity in the future, which is shown by the new Jerusalem. What is there? Our God is no more a better because he got a wife. And that wife is the tabernacle, the new Jerusalem, without any limitation, that the entire enlarged God, the entire Increase God. That is the consummation of God's selected people. And Christ is there, the center, the centrality and universality. And this is God's economy. Now, in Jeremiah, it seems that Israel was too bad. Israel provoked God's rights. God was so angry with Israel. So he came in to punish to chastise seems so. Actually, Israel's evil prepared the way for Christ to come in. If Israel is right, everything right, everything okay, he's altogether good, by what way could Christ come in? Paul has this thought. Our sins offered a standing, a time, an opportunity for Christ to come in. Even Israel's evil helped to manifest Christ. One day Israel will manifest Christ. And that day will be consummated in the New Jerusalem. There was so much uh, encompassed in this first portion, Bob, I don't know what to touch. You know, we have the ultimate expression, the enlargement of God, a worthy topic, this matter of uh, the God in his economy, even using Israel's failures and our failures, in a sense, to manifest Christ. I'll just leave it to you to pick this up. Well, I think this is a tremendous revelation here, Chris. Brother Lee said that God's economy is to make Christ 
everything, the centrality and the universality, for a purpose, right. for a definite goal. And that goal is to have the new Jerusalem as the eternal enlargement and expression of God. This is a tremendous thing. Uh, we may ask, how can God be enlarged? Well, in God himself, he cannot be enlarged. But in us, in his people, God's economy is to impart himself into his chosen people Mm. until they are filled with God. They are the same as God in life, in nature, and in expression. So they become the increase or the enlargement of God. Of course, uh, although we become God's increase in God's economy, we can never have God's position as God. We can never have the Godhead. We do not become a fourth member of the Trinity, yet we have God within us as our life, as our nature, and we are his expression, his fullness. This makes us the very enlargement of God, as Eve was the enlargement or the increase of Adam. Right. Right? That's right. In the book of Genesis, we saw this, that Eve, the wife, was the increase of Adam, the husband. Every part of Eve was composed of that rib that that was taken out of Adam. That makes Eve Adam's enlargement. Well, this is God's economy, and this is God's eternal goal. And for this, if God is going to realize this goal, then Christ must be everything to God's redeemed people. He must be our life. He must be all our virtues, all our attributes. He must be everything to us in order for us to be God's enlargement, which will consummate in the new Jerusalem. So the new Jerusalem is the wife of the triune God. It's composed of all of God's redeemed people throughout all the generations, Mm -hmm. beginning from the first generation of mankind and consummating in the last generation. It is a living composition of all of God's redeemed people who are saturated and filled with Christ, who is God's embodiment. So the new Jerusalem is God himself mingled with all his redeemed. This really is the essence of much of what Jeremiah prophesied during his 41-year ministry to, at that time, God's chosen people, Israel, of course, Their forsaking him made a way for us, the Gentiles, to be inserted into God's economy. And we saw this wonderful progression in this uh, short first section from the church to the bride of Christ, ultimately to the new Jerusalem. Yet at the end of this age, this prophecy will be fulfilled to even to Israel and the participation in this incredible eternal blessing that's before us uh, becomes their portion as it was prophesied by Jeremiah. That's marvelous, Chris. Jeremiah speaks about Israel. Yes. But everything in Jeremiah related to Christ is partaken of first by us, the Gentiles in the New Testament age. Then, when Christ comes again in the millennium, Israel will enter into this blessed enjoyment of all the riches of Christ. Mm. And they, too, will participate in the New Jerusalem as God's eternal enlargement and expression. One of these uh, prophecies, uh, marvelous, perhaps the highest prophecy in Jeremiah, is in chapter 31, 
where the entire New Testament economy is really foretold by the prophet there. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares Jehovah. I will put my law within them and write it upon their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will no longer teach each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know Jehovah, for all of them will know me, from the little one among them even to the great one among them, declares Jehovah, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. And we have to uh, match that with Paul's word in Ephesians 1, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of offenses according to the riches of his grace. Well, let's go back to Witness Lee. In what way God has made Christ everything? In what way God has made Christ the center, the circumference of the entire race of Israel, even in the dealing with Israel and with the nations? In what way God made Christ so prominent? Firstly, God's way to make Christ everything to his elect is by the way of righteousness then by the way of redemption, then by the way of life. And life implies the law of life. And life implies the ability, the capacity of life. Just in these three ways, without redemption, God cannot be our righteousness. Without redemption, there's no ground for God to give us anything. Needless to say, to give us the divine life. Divine life could only be given to us based upon the redemption of Christ. And the redemption of Christ is just the forgiveness of sins. Have you noticed that the entire New Testament is the development of these three things? The entire New Testament writing is the development of Christ being a righteousness then of Christ's redemption, then of the divine life given based upon Christ's redemption through God's justification, based upon his righteousness. This is the entire New Testament. So the way by which God makes Christ everything among his elect is fully developed in the New Testament, but it is, intrinsically speaking, revealed already before the New Testament in the Old Testament. Here in Jeremiah, we see the New Testament. Bob, one other verse we could have read to set up that section is in uh, chapter 23, verse 6, where it says, And in his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called Jehovah, our righteousness. So these three items, the righteousness, the redemption, and life are all seen in Jeremiah, but they are intrinsically the whole content of the New Testament, aren't they? Yes. (laughs) If we read the New Testament, Chris, what we see there is Christ as our righteousness. That's in the four Gospels. Mm -hmm. Then we see Christ's redemption, and then we see Christ as our life to make us God's increase, to consummate us in the new Jerusalem. So in the beginning of the New Testament, Christ comes through incarnation, and he is just Jehovah. He is God, incarnated to be a man. 
He is the righteous one. In every way, he lived a life of righteousness. When we read uh, the four Gospels and we look at the life of Jesus, what do we see there? A life of righteousness. Righteousness. In him there is no sin. Mm -hmm. He committed no sin. He didn't speak his own words. He spoke the word of the Father. He didn't do his own will. He did the will of the Father. He didn't do his own work. He did the work of the Father. And he didn't seek his own glory. He sought the glory of the Father. What is this? This is righteousness. This is the supreme righteousness. Then, at the end of his life, this righteous one was crucified to shed his blood to accomplish our redemption. So here at the end of each of the four Gospels, we see redemption accomplished by Christ's death. Then he resurrected to become the life-giving spirit so that he could enter into all his believers to impart the divine life into them, not only into their spirit, but into their whole being, into their spirit, into their soul, and into their mortal bodies, so that they would become the very enlargement of the triune God, which would consummate in the new Jerusalem. This is the New Testament, righteousness, redemption, and life. Wow. And all of those three kernels, nuggets, seen as seeds here in Jeremiah's prophecy. Marvelous. Incredible, isn't it? It really is, Chris. This Bible is just one book with one view and one overwhelming focus, which is to reveal Christ in his economy, to become everything to us, ultimately the enlargement and expression of God eternally in the New Jerusalem. Marvelous. Bob, let's go back to Witness Lee for our final portion today. Apparently, Jeremiah's a book on Israel's sin, weakness, God, judgment, and so forth. Apparently, it is so. Actually, it is not so. The entire Bible is written for God's economy to show us how God likes to be increased, enlarged, to have a kind of fullness to express himself. This is the subject of the entire Bible. Then how could Jeremiah be different? Could you say this? I feel very sorry to say most Christians, including the Bible teachers, they didn't see this. They saw Israel's evil, wickednesses. They saw God's wrath, God's anger. They saw God's punishment. They saw Babylonian coming. But this is not the basic element of the divine word. What is here in the book of Jeremiah? If you read Jeremiah, eventually, what could you see as the ultimate consummation of this book? New creation. How do you know? Because the entire book of the Bible, 66 books, consummates in the New Jerusalem. And the entire New Jerusalem is the consummation of God's new creation. And that new creation is God's enlargement. It's God's increase. It becomes God's fullness. That's God's expression in full. So the entire book of Jeremiah consummates in the new creation, indicated by the new covenant. Of course, the new covenant produces something new. 
And that's something that surely, according to the entire Bible, is the new creation. And the new creation is the new Jerusalem. And you have to know, the millennium is the threshold of the new Jerusalem. This is why the millennium is very limited only for one day. One thousand years to God, that's one day. Through the millennium, we enter into the new Jerusalem forever. In new heavens and new earth for eternity. Bob, I think for the sake of uh, many of our listeners who might not have been with us in other life study books, where this matter of the millennium and the distinction between the millennium and the new Jerusalem is made clear, maybe we should review this point since it was brought up here. Yes, uh, Chris, the millennium is a period of 1,000 years. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 and 6, it says that after the Lord comes and the believers are resurrected, it says that the overcoming believers, they lived and they reigned with Christ a 1,000 years. So this 1,000-year period is the millennium. This is a time when Christ will establish his kingdom over the whole earth, and he will rule over the earth, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed, and Israel will be the center of Christ's kingdom on the earth, and all the overcoming believers will be the co-kings reigning with Christ during this 1,000-year period. Well, this 1,000-year kingdom is really, as Witness Lee said, it's a threshold Hmm. to usher us into eternity future, which will be the new Jerusalem in the new heaven and the new earth. So to God, 1,000 years is like one day. So this threshold, the millennium, in God's view, is only one day. It's a very short period of time. Of course, to us, 1,000 years is a long time, but to God, it's a brief time. Uh, But anyway, this is a very important matter in God's economy. You know, we're always accustomed to reading the Bible from man's viewpoint. Right. Why do we need Christ to be our righteousness? Because we're unrighteous, (laughs) right? Exactly. (laughs) But this is not the viewpoint of God. God's viewpoint is from the viewpoint of his economy. We need Christ to be our righteousness so that God's economy can be fulfilled. Because God's economy is that Christ would be everything to us. We would not have our own righteousness, but we would have Christ as our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption, our glory, our life, our everything. Everything. Christ would be everything to us for the fulfillment of God's eternal economy. So whenever we read any book of the Bible, we need to pick up the viewpoint of God's economy. Since the entire Bible— is a revelation of the eternal economy of God. That means every book in this Bible, the real viewpoint is not from man's need, Mm. but from God's economy. God's view is what we need to gain, and we need to stay in this view as we read the whole Bible. As he pointed out, in man's view, uh, we look at this book and we see the wickedness, the evil, the failures, uh, the depravity of Israel and God's judgment and his wrath coming upon them and all of these kinds of things. And they are there, surely. But as you said, this is our view in reading such a book. In the divine view, what we really see here is this enlargement of God, the coming new Jerusalem, 
uh, that is the consummation of the new creation and the entire new covenant. And Christ is righteousness and Christ is everything to us, all revealed uh, throughout the pages of this Old Testament prophet Jeremiah. Isn't it marvelous? We need our mind renewed to <laughs> see sure to see from his point of view, don't we, Bob? We really do, Chris. Well, this is just our third uh, life study in this new uh, book that we're now covering, Jeremiah. And it, I think it surely indicates we have marvelous riches before us as we uh, delve into this book day by day. So, Bob, I hope you'll be able to be with us for a number of these programs. I look forward to it. Uh, we'll leave you with our toll-free number and invite you to contact us. I think it would be wonderful if you could get this printed volume of the life study of Jeremiah and Lamentations. It would be great if you want to follow along with us so that you are prepared each day or can research these things that you hear on the program more thoroughly for yourself. And if you'd like to find out about this one volume, it is available at our toll-free number 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. We continue on now in this new life study of Jeremiah. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.